Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Do you expect me to talk? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Recorded from a secret, undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. Recorded from an undisclosed location somewhere on planet Earth. Or is it? <laughs> Welcome to the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, is Ben Esslinger. Thank you, thank you, Jason. We're back. <laughs> back again with another one. Back again with another one. Episode four. So this is a very exciting uh, special edition of the CIC, our first exclusively Intel report episode, focusing on some Intel about the entire spy community, but mostly... No time to die. No time to die. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just uh, get straight into it here. Looking for a new story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. So we decided that because there is so much going on right now, especially with No Time to Die, that it felt necessary to do a separate podcast, something to just sort of check in and we can just sort of spread our wings and kind of talk a little bit more about our, our theories behind No Time to Die and, and some of the things that are affecting its release and all the different things that are sort of surrounding all that. So before we even get into No Time to Die, let's talk about Mission Impossible 7. Yes, let's. We've got a new confirmed list of returning characters, most of which people probably know. Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. You know, I hear a lot about this kid. I think he's going to be big in the movies he going might, forward. He might be. You know, he seems uh, like he's got some promise. I mean, when I say big, I mean as an actor, but not as a person because right, he's, he's a very, very tiny, of, tiny man. Yes, he's a very But small I feel like man. he's got a big career ahead of him. Yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Simon Pegg as uh, Benji Dunn. Back again, which I'm very, very happy for. I feel yeah. like I feel like Mission Impossible without Benji is you need you Honestly, need that guy in there. I, I would not go see any of those movies if he was not in them. If you don't have a foil for Tom Cruise, precisely, yeah, and that's actually one of the things he's good at when he needs foils in movies. He's very good at getting good foils to his Tom Cruise-ness. True, because Cruise the Tom Cruise-ness can be awfully I mean, it's, pungent. That's what the different, main difference between a Jack Reacher movie is and a Mission Impossible movie is. And Jack Reacher, he's got no sidekick. He's just he's carrying it all by himself, and we all know that burning, smoldering Cruise intensity <laughs> needs to have the occasional joke thrown at it you to, really to balance need, it out. Yeah, you need the comedy relief a little bit. Indeed. So we've got uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, very lovely as uh Is Isla Isla Faust? Isla maybe Isla Faust probably like Isla, like Isla Faust. Fisher yes Vanessa Kirby is back from uh the most recent uh Mission Impossible movie as the White Widow 
Mm-hmm. Jason loves that really original name there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the real problem is, is when they all start showing up in Black Widow in May, everybody's like, they stole that name from Mission Impossible. No, they didn't. <laughs> <clears throat> and then Henry Zerny Woo-hoo! as Eugene Kittredge back after, a f- what is it, 15 years? Something crazy. Something like Maybe that. Maybe even longer than that. Actually, well, yeah, I think the first what one came we? out in... Uh... It was like 99? Yeah. It might have even been earlier than that. I want to say like 94. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be more than 15 years. Yeah. It's like 20 or 25. I don't know. I mean, it's not as old as Peter Graves, but it's pretty close. (laughs) Look it up, kids. And then we've got no confirmation on whether or not Ving Rhames is coming back as Luther Stickel. So that's alarming to me. And well, he a is getting bit that, disappointing. He is getting that big Arby's money right now. <laughs> oh, is he that voice? Yeah. He's that big voice. He's the, the, we, we have, have the meats. meats. That, that's Ving, baby. Well, you know, maybe he's just riding high off of Arby's money. <laughs> and Arby's, I would assume that's part of the contract, right? <laughs> I get $10 million and I get all the beef and cheddars I want. That's right. <laughs> right. Also confirmed to be in uh, Mission Impossible 7 is... Uh, Man, I really hope I don't mutilate this. Palm Clementif, who was Mantis in the Avengers and also uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Nicholas Holt, who was Beast in X-Men First Class amongst a host of other movies I've seen him in. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually feel like he would be a good shout if they decided to go young on Bond. Yeah, I agree. Like if they did a reboot and... You know, you figure the reboot's not going to happen for Bond for at least another three to four years. Mm-hmm. By that time, Nicholas Holt's going to be probably in the perfect age if you wanted to go young with Bond. Could definitely he's see got, that. He's got the right, I think he's got the right look for it. I think he'd be a good shout. Um, we've also got Haley Atwell, who, <sighs> aka Agent Carter slash, <laughs> oh, we have a little bit of a crush over there. Maybe. <laughs> So she will be in the next Mission Impossible movie. So, so Jason's going to see the movie now. <laughs> yeah, even if Simon Pegg wasn't in it. Exactly. Why are there so many Marvel people in this movie and a character called the White Widow? Hmm. Is there going to be a guy with an eye patch? <laughs> it's quite... There's a guy with an eye patch in the movie we're covering in I know. just a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, he's obviously Nick Fury, but that's not important right now. Is this is this where the Mission Impossible franchise dovetails Are into we get a crossover the S.H.I.E.L.D. thing? And then you've got like uh, Phil Coulson meets Ethan Hunt. <laughs> and we finally get to see that Phil is actually way better at his job than Ethan Hunt is. And Tom Cruise has to go, yeah, you're just better than me. <laughs> I don't know. I would I, live for that I, moment. I would pay money to see that movie. <laughs> and then finally, uh, confirmed in MI7 is uh, an actor named Shay Wiggum, who I don't know him. Uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. I looked him up on IMDb, but I haven't seen any of the movies that he's been in. So I don't know. Isn't his dad like a cop in Springfield? Sure. <laughs> he's like the chief of police, isn't he? <laughs> It's it's quite possible. <laughs> so also in the uh, news, current events have sort of infiltrated secret agent movie news this uh, this time around with the coronavirus. It's it's affecting everything. Uh, just recent. Speaking of Mission Impossible Seven, it was set to shoot for a three week stretch in Venice, Italy, 
Um, and it was halted after 150 cases were confirmed in that country. So no delay in the release of the movie was reported. So hopefully that's fine. But I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of movies being made soon, almost exclusively done inside studios. Maybe not not exclusively, but I think at least for a little while, people are going to be scared enough to like. Hmm. Maybe not. I mean, maybe well, maybe people will get over it and it and it'll pass, and you know, won't be as you know. Yeah, I, you know, a lot I got, of people seem kind of frightened by the coronavirus, and and it's way too early to say how far it's even going to stretch or if it's really going to do anything or yeah, but if you know, it's, it's really only going to affect elderly and. Yeah. And young people like like everything like every other flu or virus that's that's sort of Yeah. It's not the T virus. People aren't going to turn into bloodthirsty <laughs> monsters and try and eat other people from it. And, <laughs> I mean, look, we're talking about Hollywood, Ben. Right. These people don't care about what happens to the little people as long as they get their money back. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, they, I could see them closing down this production, but I I'd, I'd be I would assume that the production closed down cuz Tom's like People get sick. We can't have that. We're shutting it down. And they're all like, okay, Mr. Cruz. Because, yeah. you know, I don't really think any well, Hollywood production that didn't have somebody with that kind of weight would right. just keep chugging along. Everybody's just going to be wearing masks. I see what you're saying. So more the executive side will be like, no, we're keeping, we're just going to keep going. Whereas if you've got somebody like Tom Cruise, who has star power, is sort of the force behind the movie, but he's right. also not entrenched in... The hierarchy of a exactly yeah, and he still has the ability to say, "I'm Tom Cruise, and this is what we're going to do." Right, and, and people will like say, it or "Okay, not. Mr. Cruise," exactly because he's like, "Fine, I just won't show up." What are you going to do? Sue me? Yeah. So you know that's probably more of an of an effect than that, but yeah, I I feel like there's a push to get out of studios in a lot of movies these days. Oh, absolutely. I and mean, nobody wants to because you can, it's it's far easier to tell. If something's been shot in the studio. Right. Which is one of my concerns about No Time to Die. Oh, dear. But we'll get into that once we get into that. All righty. Speaking of, actually, um, Bond, in all likelihood, there will be uh, no premiere of No Time to Die in China uh, because of how vast the situation with the coronavirus is there. Um, The Asia press tour was canceled altogether. And unless something changes, all 70,000 of those movie theaters in China are probably still going to be dark by April. We don't know yet. It's possible. It's possible. What do you so, think? Do you think that there's like a video on demand type of thing they could do in China? Where I, I do- got to think that's maybe something they're like exploring given given this sort of... I mean, it would be the same, but it certainly wouldn't be hard to do like a digital premiere of the movie. Um, where you had yeah. some kind of like glitzy thing going on that went on before it, then everybody who paid for it gets to watch the premiere at the same time, and then right. people can just buy it normally. Sure. Um, which would be kind of cool, because if they did something like that and they established they could make money for it... Dude, I would be so on board for that. Yeah, because it's not like we ever get to go to the premiere of these things. Right. You know, so I'm, if I had the opportunity, one night only, see the premiere of this on your home screen. Right. I'd be like, ooh. Unless I win the uh, O'Maze contest and, and get to meet Naomi Harris, I'm not going to the premiere probably. That's, yeah. And really, Ben, what are your odds? <laughs> not good. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> the reason my odds in particular are bad is because I actually knew someone 
I knew someone who won the Omaze contest for uh, the first new Star Wars movie. Really? Yes. I worked with him at an undisclosed location, (laughs) which I won't mention, (laughs) but he won the one where he got to meet J.J. Abrams. and That's awesome. He went on set. He had a very small role in the movie. What? I can point him out to you the next time you're over or, right. or maybe after we're done recording. I can point out the character that he played in <laughs> that in that movie. So, But I digress. That's why I will never win the Omaze contest is because I know someone who already has. They stole your mojo. That's right. Hmm. Evil. Evil. Uh, so anyway, getting on to No Time to Die stuff. Um, holy cow. The merchandise and press steam engine is in full throttle at this point. Holy cow. There is so much stuff. You know, literally four months ago, I was complaining about how Eon didn't know what they were doing. They, they <laughs> There was no merchandise for Bond fans, even though there was a felt like there was a huge crying out for Bond merchandise and collectibles and all this stuff. I'm like, what are they doing? There's nothing out there. And now, all of a sudden, if you go to the online store of 007.com, it is crazy. They have everything now. They just released the Swatch Watch line, which had themed watches for Dr. No on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Moonraker, License to Kill, The World is Not Enough, and Casino Royale. Which almost all of them are sold out already. Catchers on eBay, kids. The only one I saw that was still available, not surprisingly, is The World Is Not Enough. That's the only <laughs> one that didn't sell out immediately. The only one I really, the only one I would have even wanted, just because swatches are, they're swatches. But <laughs> the I did think the Dr. No one was really cool. I thought that one was actually really well designed. But they are releasing one other one, one additional one, on March 5th, which is a uh, Q-Branch-themed Swatch Watch, which is actually worn in No Time to Die by Q. Of course. Right. So that that one's going to have a wider run. It's going to be easier to get. It's not going to be quite so, you know, blink and you miss it. Uh, Speaking of blink and you miss it, (laughs) they released a 007 Monopoly game, which I managed to get. I'm excited. Okay, so tell tell me what this game entails. It's from a bond standpoint. What what are the what are the properties? You know, I think they're the movies or maybe they're like locations. I honestly I just saw it and I'm like, I gotta have it. Gotta have it. And I just went well, I saw the little guys that you move the tokens, yeah. The tokens that you move across the board. I saw those and I was like, Yep, I need that. So so do we have? Do I have a golden gun? I believe there's a golden gun. Is there a space shuttle? There may be. There's definitely a odd jobs hat. Okay. Don't touch the sides of that one. Very, very sharp. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully they dull that down before they send it out. <laughs> um, and then I Is know there there's- Is there an Aston Martin instead of a race car? I believe so, yes. Okay, that would be the piece that I would always yeah. use. And then there's an octopus, like a Spectre octopus. Of course there is. Yeah. So. Huh. so, yeah. So I managed to grab that and then literally- about half an hour after I bought mine, I was on Twitter and somebody was mad because it was already sold out. Uh-huh. And that's a pre-sale. That's they haven't even made these things mm-hmm. or anything. So that's funny. You know, uh, had to be twenty years ago, maybe more. I bought a Justice League Monopoly set from the Warner Brothers store. Look it up, kids. Um, 
And it was awesome. It, all the figures, you got all the seven superheroes. I mean, it's a fun looking game. Mm-hmm. Problem is I hate Monopoly and I never play it. You know, that's I am concerned about that as well because I have the same problem as Monopoly takes so long to play. I'm like, do I really... You really have to be a soda and potato chip hopped up 11-year-old to really get any (laughs) use out of the game. But my boys and I, we played it a couple of times, and it sits on our game shelf now. All the pieces are there. I'm like, I might be able to retire on this, but I'm never going to play it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why I asked. If the pieces are cool, at least you get something to look at. Right, exactly. It's it's Yeah. It's just part of my collection. Indeed. Speaking of which, I also spent some more of my allowance on this next thing that is coming out from the Royal Mail in Britain. Yeah. Uh, 007 stamps that feature images from each of the Bond actors uh, based off the opening credit graphics for Casino Royale, GoldenEye, Live and Let Die, Goldfinger, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and The Living Daylights. So... They're pretty cool looking. Yeah, you showed them to me. They are pretty sweet. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I dropped a little bit of money on that. That was another one of those late night purchases where the next morning I was like, honey, I spent more money last night. <laughs> Very sorry about that. I know we're trying to move, but. <laughs> but stamps. <laughs> but stamps. And then just in general, like I said, the 007 website has got so much stuff on it now. You can buy everything from a Michael Kors purse, a 007 purse, to coffee mugs. There's a dry martini flavored popcorn. So all shapes, sizes, prices, at least they figured out that nobody can afford a $5,000 backgammon set because that's just... That's some silly shit right there. Um, yeah. (laughs) Dry martini flavored popcorn. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Also, I would be... How do you... I would be a little, like, hesitant to order something like that all the way... Well, especially me being an American, ordering that all the way from England, having it sent to me. How fresh is that shit going to be? Yeah, you have to... And then, here's the thing. If it's not salted popcorn, how do you get your... uh, your salt on it? Do you do you shake it on there, or, or, or do you stir it on there? I'm pretty sure you got to shake it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, so now we're going to get into no the time to die. That is right. We're going to get really into the meat and potatoes of this thing. Before we go anywhere, I'm just going to give a quick spoiler warning to anyone listening. If you are sensitive to spoilers, I suggest you turn off the podcast now. Because we're going to get into some stuff that may spoil things, quote unquote, spoil things for you. So if you keep going, we're not at fault that you've learned things that you didn't know before. Ben knows my opinion on spoilers and people who are bothered by spoilers. Right. (laughs) I'm well aware that you don't believe in spoilers, but... We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Just know that if if you don't turn off the podcast, we're not responsible for you being upset that we told you something that you didn't want to know. Okay, let's get into it. So the first thing that, uh, before we really, really get in, is the runtime has pretty much been confirmed by multiple sources as two hours and 43 minutes, making it the longest James Bond movie ever. Which we, you know, we sort of touched on that. I think it was the Skyfall episode we talked about it. Wasn't Skyfall the longest before this one? It was. 
Yeah. So yeah, so that's a real thing now. Also, um, according to mi6hq.com, which if you haven't been to this website and you're a Bond fan, come on. I mean, this they are the site. That's the site to go to if you want to find out stuff. But according to them, the pre-title action scene will run 20 minutes. Hmm. So after adding the credit sequence, that leaves two hours and 20 minutes for the main movie. So that's going to be a, that's a lot. That's a lot of of ground to cover. Although I get the feeling, if I had to guess, even though it's a long movie like this, I don't think we're going to get any more set pieces than you would like a normal length movie or a, or a more humble sized movie. I think we're going to get a lot of dramatic looks yeah. <laughs> and thoughts and feelings. And I think <laughs> that's just, that's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing we're going to get a lot of feelings. Well, here's, here's my thing though. A lot of if pensive he, looks. If he is indeed retired mm-hmm. from the British secret service, right? what the hell is he doing for 20 minutes in the, in the pre credit scene? I mean, is it even going to be Bond in the pre-credit scene? Oh, it has to be. Well, because that's always what establishes the larger picture for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. So if he's living happily ever after with uh, whatever her name was. Madeline Swan. Ma- Madeline Swan. What, is it just going to be them making out on a beach for 20 minutes? I don't know. Well, I mean, there is that shot in the trailer where she's swimming around and he walks up in a bathing suit and he's like, yeah, maybe it is. I, I mean, don't know. Or, or do they Tarantino it? Do they begin with a really hectic action sequence and then yeah. flip it back so that they explain how they got there. They begin with the ending. Yeah. Maybe or, f- or maybe. begin with halfway through. Because a lot, you know what I mean? Like they don't always begin with the ending per se, but they begin yeah. with, with like, yeah. I feel like Felix is going to show up in that 20 minutes and I think start so the too. whole thing going. First, he's going to admit that he's an android from Westworld. <laughs> and then he's going to tell Bond what the, the crooks of the movie is, right. and then we're going to move on. But it just seems funny. That had to be a challenge to come up with something that, you know, you obviously have to fit into a James Bond movie. Right. But he stopped being James Bond. Yeah. So I, I'm actually more curious about that, I think, than the rest of the movie. Man, we went right into spoiler material with an android. Oops. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> So also new news, 30 minutes of key action sequences were filmed in IMAX. So we're probably going to be getting larger format options to view it. Also, no, it was confirmed that no. they're doing 3D. Who cares? I'm yeah. not going to go see it. Yeah, me neither. It's uh, such a bad idea. 3D, such a terrible 3D idea. 3D is the worst. Until you start making holographic movies, forget it. There, There is... James Cameron is so on my shit list because he is ultimately responsible for the return of 3D movies, mm-hmm. and I absolutely hate them. And it's still the same thing. You don't have to wear the red and blue glasses anymore, but it's still, oh, look at the point of this thing. It's right in front of your yeah. face. I and just, it's such a headache, too. It takes I get it done, away. and I have such a headache, and I don't feel like I'm watching a movie. I feel like I'm somehow in an amusement park ride. Yeah, exactly. It no longer feels like I'm watching a story. I'm in an amusement park ride, and that's not why I'm in a movie theater. Right. So... Anyway, that sucks. We both hate it. Indeed. (laughs) Moving on to maybe things we both think suck or maybe not. (laughs) Billie Eilish's song has been released since our last episode. Thoughts? I liked it. I did too. I mean, she's no Adele. She's not. Um, If I have a criticism of it, it's that it feels too similar to Sam Smith's song in as far as tone. All right. I would have liked to have seen... 
something or hear something edgier from her because she does normally sound a little more poppier, edgier. Yeah. If you think about, and not even necessarily Bad Guy, not the song Bad Guy. Right. She's got some other songs. Or if you re- actually, even if you're going to talk about the song Bad Guy, that last half of Bad Guy, that's not the do-do-do-do, the, the other part of it where it's like that that trap beat, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot more electronic-y, interesting. Like, I would have loved to have seen something a little bit more edgy and a little bit more out there. I feel like they went super safe with this song, which is fine. She's yeah. a She's a young artist. You know, she's just getting started. She was probably heavily influenced by Eon and Hans Zimmer and all of that stuff. And well, it does, it, the song does work. I just, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more youthful energy in it. Yeah, well, it's so, I think both her and her brother who write together, mm-hmm. um, it sounds to me from interviews that I've seen, um, things that I've read and that sort of thing, that both of them are kind of pop culture people mm-hmm. um, and have a lot of cinematic influences in their own lives. And I think, you know, when if you are a fan of movies and you are a fan of James Bond and somebody gives you the opportunity to write a James Bond song. You don't want to screw it up. Plus, you're going to stick in the lane because right. you understand what that lane is. And you understand the legacy behind such a monster right. franchise. And you've heard Sam Smith's song. It's terrible. And you've heard, what's the one that you don't like? Oh, I hate the Sam Smith song. No, no, the, oh, the, the oh, Helen Reddy one or whoever. The one from Octopussy. That's, that's the one. All time high. All time high. Oh, God, it's so bad. I know. But here's the thing. Then you think about View to a Kill. Duran mm-hmm. Duran did exactly what, that's what I wanted out of Billie Eilish. I wanted the fact that Duran Duran took their song and ran with it. Ran with a Duran Duran sound, mm-hmm. but Bond themed. Right. That's that's what I wanted out of Billie Eilish. Like I would have killed for something like that. Well, now think about this for a second, though. If you take Billie Eilish's song, and from what I saw, they wrote the song and then they took it to Hans Zimmer, mm-hmm. who then added the orchestral pieces Correct. along with their direction. If you take the orchestral stuff out of her song, does it sound more like a Billie Eilish song? Mm. Maybe. Because I feel like the bondiness of that tune came from the horns. And the orchestral pieces that were added after the fact. So maybe it's less about how they wrote the song and more about how they collaborated with Hans Zimmer to give it that that kind of blend. Yeah, Um, I can see that. Because I remember, and I listened to it maybe three or four times right after the other to kind Mm -hmm. of get some of the feel for it. And I loved the horns part. Yeah. But that really felt like the only thing that was James Bond to me in the entire song itself. Well, and then that final guitar riff at the very well, end, yeah. which felt really shoehorned in. <laughs> really shoehorned. Just like, oh, we need to remind them that this is a Bond song. Bring! You know. <laughs> which, although that being said, I really can't talk much because we use that shit all the time in our podcast. So. Yeah, well, again, it's part of the lexicon, so how yeah. can you not? So, I don't know. I will say this, it's an earworm. Um, yes. Because I listened to it, you know, after it came out, I listened to it about four or five times in repetition. And man, that thing just got stuck in my head. I was just found myself like singing, fool me once, fool me twice, just like over and over and over again. Like I just found my <laughs> singing it. So there's got to be something that they did right with that. Um, also in uh, news here, No Time to Die news, there was a rumor 
So it was an Esquire magazine interview with Rami Malek. And apparently someone, whoever the reporter was for Esquire, they had heard this rumor and they tried to ask Rami Malek about it. And he wouldn't, of course, say anything about it. But the rumor was that he actually signed for two movies, not just No Time to Die. So the implications that that has, mm-hmm. like, where are we, where is this going? Where are they steering the ship? Because that's a very interesting rumor, if it holds any weight at all. So now we're going to really get into this. What do we know about the plot? So according to the official synopsis from 007.com, Bond has left active service and is enjoying a tranquil life in Jamaica. Of course it's Jamaica. Of course it's Jamaica. Why wouldn't you? He's probably at Goldeneye. (laughs) His peace is short-lived when his old friend Felix Leiter from the CIA turns up asking for help. The mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist turns out to be far more treacherous than expected, leading Bond onto the trail of a mysterious villain armed with dangerous new technology. So that is officially from 007.com. It's not going to turn out to be Denise Richards as the scientist, right? Oh, God. Because <laughs> I will walk out of the theater if that's the case. I don't know. It depends on what she's wearing. <laughs> I don't care. Here's the other thing. Okay, before I even get into all these other notes that I have about this movie, from what I understand, as far as order of events, now, obviously, we we were just talking about whether or not you know they Tarantino it. How does that pre-title sequence work. What I will say is there was an article (laughs) that I was reading and as I was reading it, I was like, I don't know if I want to know all this. And then I went away from it and then I was like, oh wait, I want to include this in the podcast. And then I couldn't fucking find it again. (laughs) So it's, it's driving me bonkers that I couldn't find it. But anyway, some of the stuff that I've read online is supposedly, by the time he's in Jamaica, he's already broken up with Madeline Swan. Hmm. So, and that's when Felix comes and finds him. But whether or not that's even true, it's hard to say. You know, there are so many bad rumors that have been tossed around. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the British tabloids, yeah, just just awful. <laughs> it's just, it's been terrible. They've been te- So, who knows? But here's what we do know. We know that Blofeld is incarcerated, and we have a scene where Bond has to talk to him to find out something. We don't know exactly what that is. Obviously, it has something to do with a secret that Madeline Swan has that, according to Blofeld, will be the death of Bond. James. James. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah. You know what? I really hope that his Blofeld is a little better this time around. I'm, I am really- the architect of all of your pain, James. <laughs> and I really rate him. <laughs> I think he's a good actor, but as Blofeld, he's been not great. Not great. You know, you can take the Blofeld out of the Christopher Waltz, but you can't take the Christopher <laughs> Waltz out of the Blofeld. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So then even even more so onto the fact that she has a secret then we then we see you, you go all the way back to the first trailer and Madeline Swan says, Why would I betray you? And Bond says, We all have our secrets. You're in a James Bond movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> 
We know there's a scene in one of the trailers where Bond is at Vesper's grave. What does that mean? Is that just him sort of thinking about stuff? Is that is that him just having a pensive moment? Or is there something more? Is Vesper somehow sort of rolled up into how they're going to conclude this thing? What role does the now deceased Vesper Lind have? Isn't there an older Bond movie where he rolls up on the wife's gravestone? Yes. There is, there's a Roger Moore one. Oh gosh. Is that, is that Moonraker? It's the, uh, the, um, the pre-title sequence of For Your Eyes Only. He's at the grave site for, uh, Tracy's grave. Right. And then that's the one where Blofeld tries to get him with the helicopter. Yes. And then then he he snags him with the helicopter and jumps him down the smokestack. Yeah. (laughs) Classic Roger Moore. (laughs) But I mean, it's been established again in a previous one that, Bond went back for whatever that reason. And I don't remember why he was there. In that specific case, I don't think there was much in that other than to kickstart the pre-title. And Tracy does get mentioned in um, The Spy Who Loved Me and very briefly in License to Kill. But obviously, the Craig era is entirely new. Right. Because now they're sort of building their own saga with Vesper as the new Tracy, basically. Exactly. So I only bring that up because I wasn't sure if there was some reasoning behind that that kind of flowed through the movie. I don't remember Mm -hmm. there being any kind of connection to him being there other than it was a convenient place for Blofeld to try and get him with a helicopter. Right. So I wasn't sure if I missed something through the, the length of the movie that tied it back to it, but I don't know. It certainly seems like it could be significant, but it also could just be that... Right. I mean, obviously, there is sort of a tie between Vesper and this movie because Vesper is so closely tied to Mr. White, Mm -hmm. who is Madeline's dad. So, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on record as officially saying he visits the grave at the beginning in the pre-title sequence. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, Felix comes to visit him at the gravesite, and... Like you said, it takes place after he's already broken up with Madeline, and then action ensues. Okay. And then Billie Eilish. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm calling it now, so when it comes out, it's recorded. All right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll you we'll do that. see. Okay. So, you know, I got the, I've got, I got the envelope to my head. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Karnak the Magnificent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Also, the uh, mask that Madeline is looking at, the broken one that's in the box that also Safin wears, is a Japanese no mask, spelled N-O-H. So that's very interesting that it's a no uh-huh. mask. Uh-huh. Dr. No. <laughs> Ta-da! There's a lot of debate back and forth as to whether or not it's Dr. No or not. A lot of people are saying, well, look at his hands. He's got normal hands. He doesn't have metal hands that can crush things. Dr. Craw. So, <laughs> so is is he Doctor No? Is he an updated Doctor No that doesn't have metal hands that can crush everything? Is he a Doctor No that shows up in the next movie with metal hands because they get caught off by James Bond in this movie? Exactly. Origin story, Doctor No. Heck yeah, yeah. Or do they just play the Sean Connery one as the next one and put Rami Malek in Forrest Gump style? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> I need to see that. So, um, also, MI6HQ claimed to have seen some leaked paperwork online describing a scene from No Time to Die where, quote, a child shoots an intruder, 
She is chased by a second intruder and runs onto a frozen lake, as we see in the trailer. And then, basically, the clues from the alleged leak appear to imply that Swan shot Safin's partner when they were sent to kill her father when she was young, meaning his mask was probably damaged in that fight at their house prior to the scene where he is seen chasing her out onto the icy weather. There's been some stills that were released when they were actually shooting that in Norway, where he's walking across and you see a small girl like running mm-hmm. away from him. So All that scans. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder too, was she ever uh, held captive by Safin or whoever this villain is? She obviously knows him. There is some sort of connection mm-hmm. there. Is she related? Is there something else going on there? Does she make mention of anything like that in Spectre? I can't recall. I mean, I, I remember the, the scene where she shows James, yeah, I know how to use a gun, asshole. She knows how to use a gun. She's completely proficient with it. She's probably definitely the little girl. Oh, absolutely. Who fends, who fends off Safin. So that if that's the case, then the other thing about it is, is this definitely sort of confirms that Safin is clearly messing with biological type weaponry or science or some sort of regeneration mm. of some sort. Because if he still looks the way he looks in that movie, and yet he was an adult when Madeline was a small child, then that sort of confirms that, I think. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of questions and not a lot of clear answers just yet. But If only they were making a movie that would put all this together in some sort of linear fashion. Right. I mean, if they could just sort of explain that to all us common folk here. You know what, Ian? Why don't you just publish a script online? Nobody really wants to go see the movie anyway. We have a lot of <laughs> questions. That's right. Maybe we could just answer the questions, and if everybody likes the answers, then they'll go see the movie. Right. That seems like a... Seems like it would be the most cost-effective and uh, useful way of getting to the fans. Well, and then they'd know how to gauge like what their budget is for the movie, too. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Do people <laughs> really want to see this made? Let's kickstart Bond. <laughs> In addition, we know... That, well, we don't know much about Nomi, the new double O agent played by Lashana Lynch. Wait a second. Nomi? Yeah. Nomi? Mm-hmm. Carry on. She looks pretty badass, but we don't know other than, I mean, the only thing I can assume is that she's the official MI6 agent that is on this mission, trying to find this scientist or whoever it is that they're trying to find. Bond is the unofficial agent that the CIA have gone after to try and help find this guy. Right. Since he is quote unquote retired, at least for now. And then we've got also in the CIA, we've got the character Paloma played by Anna Diarmas. <laughs> Goodness. Um, who apparently is a first year or like a fairly new CIA agent. We don't know exactly how long she's been an agent, but It's been sort of rumored that she's just sort of a brand new, a very green agent. She's probably going to have a really limited role. So it may just be one scene and then she's gone. Whether she lives or dies, it's hard to say. I have a theory. Okay. I'm listening. You sure you want to hear the theory? Yes. All right. So Nomi, she's the new James Bond in the next movie. And Paloma is going to be the new Felix Slater. There I said it. I don't believe that. Mark it down. I don't believe that. Mark it down. That's my second prediction. That one, no way. Come on. Bon and Felix die in a fiery ball at the end of the movie, saving the world. (laughs) And these two are like, we have to honor them. Yes, let's be just like them. But women, okay. No way. 
Okay. It would destroy the franchise. In your heart, at least. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So, and then also we have this uh, recently released behind the scenes video featuring uh, Kerry Fukunaga, where he mentions the villain, he mentions Safin, but he doesn't refer to Safin as Safin. He says, whoever they are, are stronger and smarter than Spectre. So what does that tell us? Is he actually Safin or is he actually Dr. No? The fact that he won't even say in a behind the scenes video what the villain's name is tells us that's not the villain's name. (laughs) At least not all the way through the movie. At least not all the way through the movie. Even Blofeld wasn't Blofeld all the way through the movie. Yeah. Don't don't get me started on that. I hated that. It's also uh, interesting to note that it sounds like, because of sort of what it says there, Safin could end up actually being kind of an enemy of Blofeld and Spectre as well. So that may actually prove that it isn't Dr. No, because Dr. No was part of Spectre originally. But again, is this an origin story for Dr. No? And if so, does he eventually join Spectre? Take over Spectre? Take over Spectre, run it, who knows? Start Thrush? Or chaos. <laughs> I mean, Rami Malek's young. He could, he could carry the franchise for quite a few years. Absolutely. If he became the main, the, the number one. <laughs> Not number two. Not number two. Not even Scott. <laughs> That's also, actually interesting, though, that you say that. I hadn't really thought about that. But that does, it gives them legs if they want to ground it on one bad guy. Right. Although that's never really been the franchise's forte. They can't even stick to a Blofeld. Right. Right. So (laughs) The only character who has been stable and is consistent is M. M is the only character that has, you know, the same actor has carried on through many, many movies. But even then. But even then. I mean, Grant, even the, the titular character isn't the same guy. Right. But, I mean, it's kind of a joke that there's always a different bad guy in a James Bond movie. Right. Even when he's the same bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I like Rami Malek, and I do, and I think it would be great if there was a story arc that involves him for a couple of pictures, I really wanted to be the bad guy for all of them. Yeah. Because you miss out on your Christopher Walkins. You miss out on your Javier Bardiems, right? Right. It I gives think, you so much more flexibility and it allows you to be more creative. Well, and it gives you the opportunity to tailor a bad guy to the story rather than tailoring the story around the bad guy. Because at the end of the day, Blofeld has functionaries that do things. Right. Whereas, you know, uh, Javier Bardiem's character in Skyfall, he he drove everything. Right. Right? Well, not according to Spectre. Well. <laughs> Again, my, my biggest complaint with all of this, with all of this, actually, is the fact that they are retconning all this stuff together in these last two movies. I'm hoping that... Kerry Fukunaga does a better job of it than... Well, maybe he just doesn't touch what's there and just rolls with what he's got. Yeah. Um, Because you don't want to keep muddying up the waters too much. Yeah. Especially if this is going to be the final Craig picture. And you want to bring it to a good resolution at the end. So don't throw more intrigue in there that needs to be in there. Right. Just just make a good Bond movie and peace out. We're done. That's that's all I can hope for. Also, just one little side note about that Kerry Fukunaga behind-the-scenes video. That shot at the end of the bullet casings flying out of the DB5 uh, yeah. is so great. Yeah. It is so pimp. I love it. 
I love it, love it, love it. Well, it's funny that it I took need more of that, please. Fifty years for somebody to figure out that those shell casings need to go somewhere on the guns, right? <laughs> it wasn't in any of the other movies. Those, Part- particularly on a Gatling gun, they right. have to go somewhere, right? <laughs> took them what fifty years? Fifty years. Fifty some years to figure it all out. Craziness. And then finally, the final rumor that just won't die is bond going to die in he this. can't he doesn't have the time to he's got no time to die clearly clearly it this is, man has it no is time in to the die. title <laughs> of the movie which is exactly why he will <laughs> pretty much Maybe. with a sleight of hand <laughs> he has to die so that nomi and paloma can become the new that bond not, felix lighter team is up not happening not happening. I am so going to do this every time we record until the movie comes you can, out. You know what? You can tell me in every podcast, if this, if that happens, if that actually happened, going forward, you could tell me, I told you so at the top of our podcast every <laughs> single episode, if that actually happened, because that's how much I don't think it's going to happen. Coming to you from an undisclosed, oh, wait a minute. I told you so. <laughs> no way. No way, Jose. We will, we will see. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up our uh, our ridiculous intel report. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we've uh, discussed about as much as we can discuss until uh, we hear something else from Eon or, or somebody. Time's ticking. Time is ticking. All right. Well, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem, and more mayhem. I told you so. (laughs) 